Hello and welcome to the review show of Rose Tinted Black and White Television with me Guy Morgan and my co-host David Newell. This is where we uh, look at various programmes, mainly but not exclusively showing on Talking Pictures Television, programmes which have been unseen by the general public for far too long. At the moment, the black and white series of The Saint, starring Roger Moore as Simon Templer, is being screened. We're now into series two of the UK series. And we have reached The Elusive Elshaw, directed by John Llewellyn Moxie, writer Harry W. Junkin, a Canadian, uh, who, who we mentioned in the flagship show. Um, Dave, tell me about The Elusive Elshaw. The Elusive Elshaw, like you said, directed by John Llewellyn Moxie, um, who directed the pilot episode of Charlie's Angels, amongst many, 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 many others, um, starts off uh, in London. So we're, we're on home turf, and Simon has been invited by a friend of ours to go to a shooting event at a country estate. And while he's in a gunsmith's, very famous London gunsmith's, um, I don't know whether it's a fictitious one, but it's Alex, a place to go get your, your shotgun, get your purdy. The assistant there appears to see her missing husband outside in the street. And, and this causes a little bit of a kerfuffle because apparently there's a familial collection um, between this this person, the elusive Elshaw, who used to work for Simon Temper's friend's uh, dad, and that sort of gets the plot rolling to see why this person is so elusive. Were they there at all? Did the lady dream it? Um, and why did the individual missing? And then it, it goes a little bit Gosford Park, because we go into the country with lots of uh, guests, suspects, as they're called, uh, at the country house, and Simon has a chance to do a little bit of sleuthing. Um, he breaks into uh, an empty house. So he kind of got away with like squatters' rights. He had been ticked up by the police. But then there is, uh, um, as we, we've seen in other episodes of The Saint, there's then kind of like a little bit of a murder mystery because then the poor lady dies. She's murdered quite horribly. And there also appears to be someone out to kill the, like, the lord of the manor. But The Saint manages to, of course solve it all um, but there's some twists and turns along the way indeed there are regular viewers to the saint and uh, regular listeners to this program know that there are several incarnations possibly even more incarnations of inspector claude eustace teal than there are oh, we get another one this. talk about this one uh, right yes we have norman pitt who is is given a go I guess this must have been like a long series of auditions until they finally um, decided on or maybe Ivor Dean, he's the first one to answer his phone, so we'll use him on a regular basis. Uh, so, yes, again, uh, um, sometimes there may be a lack of continuity in the way in which uh, the relationship between Simon Tempot and Inspector Claude Eustace Teal goes. Um, but in this case, obviously, he's going to be the best person to go to because there's a murder. Uh, it's a very amicable relationship, isn't it? Yeah, father sonish almost. It doesn't carry any of the snide, barbed remarks that Simon Templer generally makes. He approaches Inspector Teal and gets him to go down to the big house and seems to be acting as an unofficial police detective. Yeah, it's, it, you know, there's no warnings about you can't do this, leave this to the police, this, that, and the other. No, there doesn't seem to be any of that. It's uh, um, Inspector Teal and this one just plays along. And he's happy 
play second fiddle and kind of giving Simon carte blanche to investigate the various crimes, uh, murders and shootings that take place. Yes, well, as we've said before, the, the police are extraordinarily busy and can do with any help they can oh, God, get. Oh, yeah, all the time. Just cutting back to that opening scene where he is pointing a 12 ball shotgun straight at us and then we discover that he's uh, about to go on a shooting weekend at the estate of the father of the glamorous Angela Brown who walks in and I think, oh, right, this looks promising. Um just a peck on the cheek, so I'm not quite sure what their relationship really is. But the saint has a problem, and I think this is possibly an interesting bit of social history. He doesn't have a charge account. I know, yeah, he doesn't have a charge account at the, at the gunsmiths. So he asked her to see if he could pay cash. Now, as I understand it, this used to be social death if he wanted to pay cash. Because it implies that your credit's not good enough. No, the idea of you just walking into somewhere in London, just walking around and pointing at items and saying you'd like these, and then say, yes, charge it to my account with a minimal amount of details given. You know, who are you? Simon Templer, London. And you just go, oh, right, yeah, that'll do. Um, have that sort of account set up, you know, you, um, and that would apply to, you know, whether it was where you got wine from, whether you got your cigars or anything like that. You just walk in. Uh, it's more or less um, like legalised shoplifting. Yes, because the aristocracy and allegedly certain members of the royal family were extraordinarily bad at paying their bills on time, if at all. So Simon Templer, of course, is a man who seems to mainly deal in cash. Yes, he, he is. Yeah, the keys to the van. Or inside the teapot on the dashboard, Simon. There you go. All right, I'm on, I'm on it. Then Mrs. Elshaw spots a very shifty-looking Willie Izard looking through the shop window, grabs mm. her coat, chases after him, tracks him down to, after a rather tense taxi chase, into an empty house where initially Elshaw, played by Willie Izard, I say Willie Izard, it's actually Philip Latham, isn't it? It's Philip because... Latham, yeah. Plays his husband. I'll just explain why I said Willie Izard. It's because that is the role that Philip Latham is most famous for, the 110 episodes of The Troubleshooters. And so I automatically think of him as Willie Izard. It's Philip Latham. Goes, hides out in 11 Duchess Place, which disappointingly, when I checked out my London A to Z, is not a real location. Really? Oh, that's disappointing. I know, I can't go and visit. But I do like it gives us an idea of, of like value. Um, and you were talking about a cash in hand society. Offers his wife 20 quid to go away. Oh, that's an absolute fortune in 1962. 20 quid. I mean, £20. And it, yeah, he appears to be a little bit down on his luck, but also a little bit evasive as to what he's been up to. Where's he been? Again, we've got echoing the episode the other week, Teresa. We've got a missing husband. A missing husband who's turned up doesn't want to be found. Nothing to do with me. Well, not if you're going to put 20 quid out. It's like, go away, missus. So naturally, Mrs. Elshaw immediately goes to see the famous Simon Templer, which is why Simon and Angela Brown's character go to the deserted house. And I was quite hopeful that there would be a bit more repartee between Simon and his lady friend. But... After having discovered that the house is completely empty and then they go for dinner and then they drop by Mrs. Elshaw's 
and discover the dead body and call Inspector Teal. She doesn't really seem to have all that much to do. When they get to the the, the stately home or whatever it is, all she seems to do is organise dinner. And um, chastise her younger brother or just keep saying, why are you doing this? You know, Why are you doing that? Um, you know, for goodness sake. Oh, Kenneth, what's Kenneth up to? She had a little bit of a flap. Yes, uh, there's been supposedly one attempt on Sir... Sir John uh, Ripwell. <laughs> Sir John Ripwell, played by Richard Vernon, who, of course, is probably best known to Hitchhiker's Guide fans as Slighty Bartfast, both in the radio and the TV version. Uh, he, of course, thinks it's nonsense, the fact that someone's taken a pot shot at him while supposedly breaking on the premises and then someone mysteriously fires a shotgun into his shoulder while they're on a shoot and he thinks oh it's it's nothing i do like the way they way that that's kind of tracks out nowadays you know we're told um to perhaps think before we may go along to a and e departments to you know think um maybe is there, you know is there a more kind of like the nhs uh, um phone service is that you could use and um so john ripwell does just that so rather than go to a and e after being shot in the shoulder by um, a 12 ball he just calls his gp that's right who turns up in, in, and has a very cheery attitude and very little in the way of paperwork to report a gunshot and um so john just just kind of gets on with it yeah i mean i, I suppose even these days now it take less time to get a gp appointment than get an ambulance mm, yeah so there we have it there's an attempted murder mystery uh, we have several dramatis personae there's the wayward ne'er-do-well son who seems to drink a lot lose his temper live fast drive extremely fast i did wonder whether they were implying because he had this secret that he didn't want to admit to anybody whether they were actually talking about something else whether there was some kind of subtext there. But it's not, though. It's, it turns out it's not. He thinks he's killed someone. Um, he's been led to believe he's, he's killed someone. But as we find out a little bit later on, the person he's meant to have killed is Mr. Elshaw. And we know from the opening scenes, he's fit and well, living in a, a pretty crappy house. Now, there were two main suspects connected uh, to Sir John. One is his... Very chippy northerner with the German name. Oh, <laughs> Hugo Mayer. Hugo Mayer played by Walter Brown. Um, and there is there is a little bit, there is there's a little bit within the script, and I quite like this, uh, that because he's got a northern accent and is a bit blunt, um, maybe he's not been afforded the opportunities of those with cut-class southern accents and have been to the right school. Finally, we come to... The least likely person you would think was the villain. This is Anthony Bate, who made a living about playing very sinister characters, either on the side of Her Majesty's government as spy masters or as just villains. This isn't his last appearance in The Saint. He does crop up again as a scientist in the house at Dragon's Rock. Enlarge the boundaries of science, sometimes necessary. Sacrifice a few lives. Now, if you did want a spy master during the 60s and the 70s, Anthony Bates and Philip Labour, they were your guys, weren't they? Because Anthony Bates was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Smiley's People. 
Um, Philip Latham was in um, Len Dayton's spy story. Um, I think Anthony Bay even ended up playing Kim Philby as well in a, a TV series. So if you wanted someone who wore a suit well, both of them did, to turn up and be a, a, a spy master, um, these were the go-to guys. They had very, very good what's known as brown folder acting, which would mean that every once in a while, in every episode, there would be a scene where someone would give them a brown folder in which they would open and then look at the contents inside, and, and that usually precipitated the action. Yes. Brown folder acting. Don't do it at RADA anymore. Like I said, it's more kind of like looking at a phone app, um, using a mobile phone. There's a lot more more acting. Yes, looking at a PC and going, hmm. Yeah, mm, yeah, or using a flash drive. Brown folder acting. It's a lost art. It's like reading a map. Anthony Bate, um, if you... But before you go any further, let's test Guy's Avengers knowledge. Oh, dear. Um, because according to IMDb, Anthony Bate was at the centre of an Avengers mystery which lasted nearly 50 years. Do you know what it is? Uh, I need a little more information. All right, okay. Okay, um, Anthony Bate was in an episode of the Avengers. Oh, yes. I know now because I've just, I've just looked at my show notes because it says... <laughs> oh, brilliant. I've just been handed a piece of paper. <laughs> With the answer on it. Um, <laughs> no, it's a, a, a mystery. Um, for once, this was a role in the Avengers, the studio-based Avengers, which he played someone who was on the run, had broken out of jail from a funfair and, uh, because he'd been framed. Uh, and this was Tunnel of Fear, and it had been lost. And then it was found down the back of the sofa about five years ago. And naturally, I bought it because I'm a completist and I want to have all the existing episodes of The Avengers. It's all a, right, all right. Guy, you're half right. You're half right with your answer. Hmm. Because this lost episode, the only information we had to go on was the TV listings guide. And Anthony Bate replaced an actor very last moment in the Avengers. And so for years, it was assumed that um, he wasn't in the Avengers. Because obviously we didn't have the episode, no one remembered it. All we had were the TV listings, um, and it listed a different actor, the person who'd originally been um, hired to do it. So until that one was found down the back of a sofa, it was assumed he wasn't in it. Oh, right. Well, I'm glad we've been able to correct the historical record. Even though we, uh, um, we do have Anthony Bate um, kind of blindsides us a little bit when he, when he drinks um, poisoned whiskey, which Simon um, manages to kind of like dash the glass from his lips before he drinks any more because he's ordered a double. Uh, and usually that's an indication of, wait a minute, I think maybe he's set that up to kind of like swerve um, suspicion from himself. And that's exactly what he's done. Because what he did was arrange the fake card game and the beating up by the ne'er-do-well son who thought he was, killed him. And that's why Elshaw is hiding, because he can't be discovered alive. Now that'd be totes orcs. And presumably 
it's at some stage he's going to have to come out of hiding or get bumped off for real. Yeah, you think would he turn up at his wife's funeral? Don't know. She, you know, she's just been recently killed. Uh, you'd feel that you'd probably want to go to that. No, Philip Latham's uh, character is actually just a waste of space, to be honest. <laughs> he is. He's, yeah. Given that he's he's the title as such, titular character, yeah, he just walks around in a shabby coat. One thing, Simon Templer is waiting for the elusive Elshaw to turn up. He knows somebody's going to turn up. Mm. I'm not quite sure why the elusive Elshaw is going to turn up. Simon Templer goes and waits because he knows that there's a gate that you can gain access to the, the estate with. Now, Dave... What would you do if you were waiting in the dark and wanted to be undetected? Right now, as a cigar smoker myself, kind of saw the schoolboy error that that Simon did, was, which was light up a fag, and you yeah, you're kind of bringing attention to yourself. It'd be like uh, it'd be like there, you, you know. Nowadays, it'd be just like right, I'm I'm on stakeout, I'm waiting for for a killer. Um, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna listen to some Ministry of Sound on my phone. <laughs> such a good idea no no i don't think it is yes he he does light up anything he doesn't do is use a torch to look at what time it is on his watch because there's three things with that there's the lighter or match that you would use having lit it there's the little red dot at the end of your cigarette yeah. and then of course there's the smoke that you're the smoke and smell. um so uh, That's why if I'm doing stakeout, I never take a cigar with me. Very wise. Might take some gum. And uh, a polystyrene box with a burger in it. Yes, yeah. Philip Latham's character, the elusive Elshaw, totally ignores any of these clues and is given a good thumping by Simon Templer and then marched to uh, the stately home where the ne'er-do-well son says... It's you! But yeah, yeah I, but I've killed you! And then it turns out that the personal secretary, played by Anthony Bate, has been up to all sorts of bad things. I, you know what, I'm glad though. I'm glad it wasn't the working class guy who turned out to be the villain. Yes, he definitely failed to get into look back in anger, didn't he? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, we don't want that kind of going all the way back to Ben Johnson's Volpone, where uh, the crime of rising above one's station is meted out. So, yes, we don't we don't want to see that. Um, and in this case, it's obviously cut glass accent, Anthony Bate. Um, the chippy northerner with the German name, uh, Hugo Mayer, was played by New Zealander Walter Brown. And uh, in his CV, he's got 32 episodes of... Adventures of the Sea Spray, which was a half-hour Australian series. He's also got another couple of saints to his name uh, and loads of other stuff, a lot of it in Australia. The Ne'er-Do-Well Son was played by Philip Bond. A big series for him were The Main Chance and The O'Needing Line. Uh, <gasps> he's got One Avengers Point, which is a Tara King Elsewhere, he appeared in The Champions, A Man in a Suitcase, 199 Park Lane, which was kind of a mini soap set in a posh block of flats. He was in Doctor Who in 1964, uh, Sergeant Cork, and also in the intriguingly named The Voodoo Factor. Right. I'd like to hazard a guess as what that was about. It sounds, um, is it like a forerunner of Death in Paradise? 
Is um, it kind of like a British cop on a, a sunny tropical isle somewhere in the Caribbean? No, he's one of uh, several doctors who find themselves battling for the survival of the world against a disease spreading from a tropical island caused by a legendary spider goddess. I must admit, that might have been my seventh or eighth guess, but you, you, you'd have got bored, you know, by the third or fourth attempt for me to, to, to have a go at that. So, yeah, I would have never guessed that. Uh, and not, way, not to weigh down the line. Yes, another TV incarnation of voodoo which uh, practitioners apparently call voodoo oh right is is this one of those lost series and by the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like a great tragedy that we've lost it but is it one of those lost series i think it might be i can't i, I haven't been making notes about every lost series there is one i think this harper's west one which philip blathan appeared in 14 episodes of oh, wow. which is about a posh department store there was who else was in it ellen mackintosh who was the unfortunate mrs elshaw was in 39 episodes of school drama this man craig uh, and 17 episodes of 199 park lane so yes the bbc wiped them all and none are known to exist she uh, was in two sergeant corks and one kathy gal avengers did you recognize the young copper Oh, right. Okay. Is it, um, is it a name? Is it a face? He's Nicholas Pennell or Pennell. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. Who was shortly to appear in 14 episodes of the Foresight Saga. <gasps> there you go. That's a good move up. He's got another saint coming and the Doctor Who adventure Colony in Space. Who else have we not really covered? Uh, James Ottaway, lots of stuff from the 1960s including 11 episodes of the fellows which was i think a sequel to the man from room 17 there was also richard vernon he was in uh, 26 episodes of the man from room 17 13 of its sequel the fellows playing the same character edwin oldenshaw only one avengers point and that was with kathy gale in the mauritius penny when he tries to launch a fascist coup and doesn't succeed big screen appearances goldfinger and a hard day's night and the servant angela brown what do you know about angela brown oh, i don't know much about her um you're gonna have to fill me in right angela brown uh has two points a uh, kathy gale and an emma peel she was in danger man in 1960 and something called the girl in pink pajamas where apparently uh she got on very well with patrick mcgowan who was a busy kind of almost taking over the direction of the episode where she plays a girl who's found wandering in pink pajamas through a snow-covered field and i can't remember much about how she got there and then it turns out that she was on a train and she'd gone to feed her dog and a man who was in a coffin as they used to do in the guards van came out of the coffin and then she wound up in the field now Avengers fans might ask themselves... Uh, that sounds a bit familiar. Now, when I tell you that the original story for The Girl in Pink Pajamas was by Brian Clemens... Oh, wait a minute. I, oh, I, oh, I sense a copycat alert. Well, it's a very green recycling alert because... <laughs> never, never forget. He used that beginning 
in the very last episode of the Avengers, Bizarre. And that was about people disappearing for uh, tax purposes, pretending they were dead and then living the life of Riley. Now, there's an episode of Adam Adamant, and I think it's called The Terribly Happy Embalmers, which I can't remember whether the men are being actually being bumped off or whether they are secretly uh, living the life of Riley in some kind of spa. Brian Clemens is connected with that one as well. So, waste not, want not. <laughs> hey, no, if it's worked once, make it work again. Angela Brown was in 13 episodes of Ghost Squad, uh, 11 of Court Martial, one prisoner, and uh, she was married to Francis Matthews. Oh, right, okay. And I think she kind of retired, semi-retired later on to do the family thing. So I think that pretty much covers the cast of the elusive uh, Elshaw. Like you say, it's kind of Gosford Park. There's a kind of bit of Poirot in there. The saint uses his little grey cells again. He does, yeah. He's able to uh, kind of like put it all together um, in a good way. So what have we got to look forward next in well, terms next, of the saint? Next, it's another one of those, uh, another one of those name titles. Um, and this one is called Marcia. And the big ticket item here, you know, we mentioned uh, the other week about um, June Christie being in one and then only a couple of years later um, bagging an Academy Award. Again, we've got the same kind of thing because we have Samantha Egger, who only a couple of years after this bagged an Oscar nomination for The Collector and won Best Actress at Cannes the same role. Blimey, talk about stars of tomorrow. And we've also got Johnny Briggs from Coronation Street in it as well. <laughs> Certainly, but he was actually pretty much uh, everywhere. He was in no hiding place for quite a few episodes, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's plenty of others to look forward to. There's also um, Philip Stone. He used to work a lot with um, Stanley Kubrick's in The Shining um, and is in Barry Lyndon, amongst other things, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and sleazy Tony Beckley, who was in The Italian Job and When a Stranger Calls, amongst others. So, yes, uh, um, a lovely um, collection of people to spy on next week. Come on, I've got to get the kettle on. <laughs> right, OK then, Dave. Thank you for braving the heat, and we shall catch up again when hopefully the weather has broken uh, and we will be feeling much more cool, calm and collected. Uh, this has been the review show of Rose Tinted Black and White Television. My co-host David Newell and me, Guy Morgan, have been discussing the elusive Elshaw, which appeared in the Black and White Saints season, uh, which is now going out on Talking Pictures Television. We will be reviewing future episodes as they unspool. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>